Welcome to the Garbage Pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. There's something curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 56 of The Garbage Pod. And it's been a while, but um, this episode is a special because I'm not on my own tonight. And no, the, the bullhawk isn't with me tonight, but from across the pond, I have John Berger. How you doing, sir? Well, hello. What would you call him? The bald hawk? The ball hawk. Ball Okay. Oh, as in football. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, no, I've got plenty of hair, thank you, but oh well, that joke would have failed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, how's it going? It's going. We, we need to get another uh, TGP nominal thing going on, dude. Got, got things to talk about. Certainly have. That's going to be in the pipeline very shortly as well. So if you're not a regular listener to uh, TGP nominal, why not, basically? <laughs> why not? Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't love science and science fiction and things of that nature? Exactly. In a moment, we'll be talking about one of the biggest annual music events in the world. So join us when we come back after this short break. Crichton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir, I'm listening to The Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere. It's the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, it's that time of year again. It's the, um, the the 61st edition of the contest, and it's going to be taking place at the Ericsson Globe Arena in Stockholm, Sweden, on the... The final is on the 14th. Okay. I couldn't remember which day it was. I've actually got it written down. <laughs> uh, I that all the time. It's right here in front of me. I can't find it. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> the event is held in Sweden because Sweden won last year's event in Austria, in, in Vienna. And it was Mans Zemelo who won it with his song Heroes. Do you, do you remember that one, John? The one with all the fancy uh, animation on the backdrop. I, I did, I'd have to go back. I can watch it, but I'm sure I would remember once I saw it. Uh, yeah, I think he he won it pretty much because of the uh, the animation that he had uh, on stage with him. It is a good song though, and it did make the charts all around Europe. Uh, it's played everywhere. But as normal, the contest will be in three parts because you've got two semi-finals uh, on the 10th and 12th of May, and the final, as we just mentioned, is on the 14th. And the three live shows will be hosted by Mans Semelo and uh, a lady called. Petra, I don't know if it's Mead or Mede. It's probably Mede. There are 42 countries taking part. Bosnia and Bulgaria, Croatia and Ukraine will return after their absences from recent contests. The European Broadcasting Union, or the EBU... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now, if you don't know why, why I'm laughing at that, TGP Nominal is full of these acronyms and, and abbreviations <laughs> all over the place. But yeah, the EBU announced on the 18th of February 
that there will be a new voting system in place for this contest, which is the first time since 1975. Uh, It's a bit complicated, actually. This is how it works. First, each national professional jury will award 1 to 8, 10 and 12 points to their favourites. In the grand final, these points will be announced by the spokespersons from all participating countries in the usual way. Based on the televoting, each country will award a second set of 1 to 8, 10 and 12 points to the 10 songs they like most. The televoting points from all countries will be combined and announced by the host, starting with the country receiving the fewest points from the public. And ending with the country that received the highest number of points from the televoting. So the winner will only be known at the very end of the show. In the semi-finals, the same voting system will be used, but only 10 qualifiers will be announced as usual. After the grand final, you can find the individual jury votes and televoting rankings on our website, eurovision.tv. I think this is probably because there's more and more countries taking part. And it'll take forever to get through them all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a long process. Before, they just combined the votes together. So you had their panel of judges and their televoting procedure adding as one score. Now, you're going to have a set of 12 points from the judges and another set of 12 points from the people voting at home. So there'll be more points to have on the scoreboard. Interesting. I wonder what prompted that. Um, make, calls make, of like, well, that's really not what the people voted or... I, I think they've done it in a way so that... Because, you know, normally they can work out who's actually won it before it's actually finished. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's to try and avoid that so you don't know until right to the end who's actually won. Okay. So that makes... I think it makes more sense, a bit more excitement towards the end of it because you get to about halfway through and you go, oh, so-and-so's won this. Yeah. <laughs> You never know, though. I mean, that that is the one thing I've noticed about Eurovision. And again, this is just like from outsiders' perspective. It just seems like there are a lot of countries that just seem to always give the high points to certain other countries. There are a little bit of po- political scoring yeah, just- going on there. Um, I mean, for example, you'll always get Greece voting for Cyprus. Right. And <laughs> that kind of stuff. It it's goes- really sad. It shouldn't be that way. It should be about the music, not about anything to do with politics whatsoever. Obviously, we've got France, Germany, Spain, the UK and Italy automatically qualifying for the final. They are the big five. They're the five biggest financial contributors to the EBU. So they automatically go through to the finals. And obviously, the host nation automatically qualifies as part of the prize of winning the contest the year before, which would be a bit silly if the host nation didn't actually qualify for the final. <laughs> Australia debuted in Eurovision Song Contest last year uh, as an inv- invitation from the EBU as a one-off special guest to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Eurovision. The EBU announced in November last year that uh, due to popular demand, Australia have been invited to participate in this year's event. 
The feedback we got from viewers, fans and press and the broadcasters after Australia's participation in Vienna was overwhelmingly positive, said uh, Jean Olazand, uh, the executive supervisor of the contest on behalf of the EBU. Uh, we strongly believe that Eurovision Song Contest has the potential to evolve organically into a truly global event. Can you imagine that, the Global Song Contest? <laughs> well, they're going to give it a different name. Because you'd have to have um, the USA, Canada, and probably the Americas, and then... Uh, Africa as a continent, so all the different countries in Africa would have to compete to be the their representative for the competition. And then you'd have Australasia, which would be Australia and New Zealand, uh, and then Europe. It could be quite an interesting event. I just can't see that happening. But uh, it would be massive, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's taking three days already <laughs> to just do Europe. It's going to take about a month in 2015, Australia were guaranteed a spot in the final of the contest and was allowed to vote during both sets of semi-finals and the final. However, for the 2016 contest, Australia will have to qualify to get into the final from one of the two semi-finals, and they can only vote in the semi-final in which the nation was allocated to compete. So um, they can't vote in both semi-finals. They can only vote in one of them. That makes sense. I mean, if that's the rule that everybody else has to adhere to, then they should do. Well, the reason why they've they, they changed that a few years ago, um, basically to try and stop this block voting. Um, so certain countries can't vote for certain other countries because mm. they they can only vote for a certain semi final, and it has made the competition a lot more interesting. If Australia was to win the contest this year, the 2017 contest will be co-hosted by the Australian broadcaster, which is SBS, and another European public broadcaster somewhere in Europe. So I, I get the impression that Australia would then be able to pick where in Europe they would like to host the contest. Also, oh, it wouldn't actually be hosted in Australia. No, it'd still be in okay, Europe. That's fine. I, I fully understand that. There's been some other news in the uh, Eurovision world. Romania has been expelled from the Eurovision Song Contest after its national broadcaster failed to pay outstanding debts dating back to 2007. The EBU claimed that the Romanian public service broadcaster, TVR, owes over 14 million euros. The EBU described the action to exclude Romania from the contest in Sweden as regrettable. The EBU has called on the Romanian government to make a satisfactory arrangements to repay the debt, which the deadline was April the 20th, uh, which didn't happen. Uh, the Romanian broadcaster will also lose access to other EBU member services, including uh, the Eurovision News Service, which is Euronews, and Eurosport, and the rights to broadcast specific sporting events so mm. they'll lose out on that as well Romania first took part in the annual music competition in 1994 and has participated in every final since the introduction of the semi-final heats in 2004 Avidu Anton was due to perform his track Moment of Silence in this year's contest the 24 year old singer confirmed the news on his website uh, where he actually quoted dear friends I have finally received the official communication. I am trying to smile. 
but it is unfair. Moment of Silence has already been included on the official CD for this year's contest. The EBU said it would keep the digital download of the song available for download and streaming as courtesy to the artist. So he will make some money out of the sales of the track. That's not his fault. No. So that makes sense. It's not the first time a country has been barred from taking part in Eurovision. Greece was disqualified from the 1982 contest for entering a song that was based on a national folk tune and therefore not an original song. And then more recently, George's entry in 2009 was disqualified by the EBU for supposedly containing political lyrics. You know, they're doing their best to keep politics out of the competition. That's interesting because supposedly Ukraine's song is all about Russia invading in 1944. Ah. Maybe it's because it's not recent politics? Yeah, it could be because at the time, I think there was a bit of something going on with Georgia and Russia at the time, I think, uh, when they actually released the the track. Because I do remember there was a bit of hostility between Russia and Georgia in not too recent past. Anyway, the last bit of news is that the U.S. will be getting in on the Eurovision party for the first time this year. Logo Mm -hmm. has announced that it will be airing the 2016 Eurovision Song Contest live and commercial free on May the 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Ooh, Uh, I didn't hear about the commercial free part. That I'm happy with. Uh, it marks the first U.S. home yeah, iconic music competition, which will be streamed exclusively in the U.S. on Logo's website and mobile app. That's the part that concerns me, that word exclusively, because if uh, history is any indication, it is a very bad thing to give any American broadcaster sole exclusive rights to something like that. Just ask NBC and the Olympics. So I'm I'm hoping and I'm actually trying to get clarification from Eurovision about this. Does that mean that they're going to block the YouTube or the Ustream streams from Americans? I'll be really ticked off if that's the case. I can't see that happening. But, you know, that whole thing about exclusive rights. Now, if it's exclusive simply as, well, they're going to be America's only cable channel to do it. Okay, I'm fine with that. But if they block other streaming sites because, well, we've got this contract with Logo, that's going to tick me off as well as whatever little tiny minority of Yankees who also like Eurovision are going to have with it. That That's just recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. So that that is a concern for me. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Hopefully they'll get a response from them. Even if they just come back to say, well, yeah, Logo's got everything. Because uh, then I can tell them what a bunch of idiots they are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, money talks. This is true. This is very, very true. Logo does not reach a majority of households here. Because Logo is our regional... Let me, let me think of the acronym. It's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transsexual. And I was like, wow, why Logo? And then I remembered Conchita Worst. I was like, ah, that's why. That makes sense, yeah. And this is probably why Australia has been getting involved as well. Because there is a, a big rainbow crowd following in Australia, and that's why they embraced Australia like they did. Yeah, I, um, I could just, oh my God, I could just see the uh, redneck Bible belt completely freaking out if it was shown on a, uh, you know, I can't, how can I say that without getting into trouble? It's a station that's not logo. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and just having the redneck Bible belt seeing Conchita Worst on there. What the hell is this crap? Why is he all up in a dress? Pass me my NASCAR schedule. I could so just I'm, I'm, I'm just got, I've just got Jeff Dunham in my head at the moment. I've been watching NASCAR and drinking beer. <laughs> 
that's your favorite sport. Yeah, NASCAR is too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody who says I'm playing to a stereotype, there are reasons why stereotypes exist. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, I'm still going to look forward to it. I just, hopefully, if they are truly exclusive... They don't end up screwing up, especially the streaming part. I think because Eurovision has got a big uh, YouTube presence, I don't think they're going to block it anywhere on there. I can't see it happening. I I hope not, but it's not popular enough over here that I think it would really cause a big stink if it does happen. That's what worries me. What I thought we'd do, and we discussed this uh, off the air, that we were going to select some of the tracks what we think (laughs) are going to do well in the competition uh, i've tried this kind of thing before and i've done really badly in the past <laughs> what we've done we split it up so we've chosen a couple of tracks from the first semi-final a couple of tracks from the second semi-final and we've selected one of the the big six i suppose you can call them with the host nation as well if we start off with your first one from the first semi-final who have you got there john this was kind of tough there are a lot lot of good songs there uh, i really really liked the one from um from the netherlands you know I, I liked it just because it was kind of it was a song that i could hear the eagles singing but i don't really think that's gonna win any hearts and minds you know, there, there's just a lot of good songs on this one i was really surprised by this we were talking about this earlier too that this year just seems to have a lot of good songs to it yeah which was very pleasantly surprising although granted a lot of them still end up being more like pop and pop ballads and so forth but uh well the, the, the first one that really stood out for me was russia so if i play a bit of that in first and then we can talk about who's singing it and uh talk a bit about the track actually um, singing this one for Russia. And I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Sergei Lazarev. Uh, he also played a voice in Shrek the Third. Really? Yeah. Apparently oh, wow. he played Prince Arthur. The Russian dub of it, maybe? Maybe. Uh, it doesn't say here. All it says is that he played the voice. So That's interesting. That's, uh, a lot of the people that are involved in the contest obviously have had success elsewhere before mm-hmm. they get here. So they're just wanting to put their talent on a bigger stage um, and see where it takes them. I mean, I think people are just hoping that they'll get the same kind of exposure in the old days with ABBA. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that was a massive success for for, for them. (laughs) My first track, which is this one, let me just select it and away we go. Please believe me when I say There's nothing harder than the strife Heavy waters try to break you You will be 
The singer of that track is, uh, I think it, her name is pronounced Sanja, with Sing It Away. She, she's from Finland, but she has Indian roots, and she's a, a singer and songwriter of urban pop. Um, that, that, to me, sounded like straight 80s pop. It did a bit. There was used to be a, a band, actually, in the early noughties called Alpha Beats, who was very influenced by the 80s. They were, I think they were Scandinavian, and... Uh, that is very similar to to their kind of stuff that they produce she's been traveling across uh, Guyana and Jamaica to find inspiration and influences for her second album which comes out soon two singles have already been released from the album uh, one was called They Are My Bass and this track as well has also been released on the album that's quite clever to actually release a track off the album and use it for your Eurovision <laughs> entry. <laughs> I think that's a really good track. That is a good one. Like I said, that one I was I was really fighting between that one and my second choice. And I finally just defaulted over to my second choice, which I guess is good because you chose, you know, you chose that one. So. <laughs> it's got a lot of energy to it. It does. And um, uh, like your first choice, the, the Russian track, the Russian one I, I noticed that had uh, it has a key change. And mm-hmm. I was always told that the key to success on a pop record is have a key change halfway through the record. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has worked for a lot of groups, I must admit. Um, and this is similar in, in many respects. Uh, it, it starts off very slowly, works its way up, and then it's got this really powerful energy. And I think a lot of Eurovision hits are high-energy records. Mm-hmm. I, I went back and I listened to some of the, the Eurovision, at least not, not so much the winners, but like the top, the top few of them for the past few years. There's really no consistency there. It seems to go all over the place, which I thought was kind of surprising. But, I mean, you're right. Power pop seems to be what dominates most of the Eurovision songs. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you will get a very powerful ballad. Conchita Verse, obviously, is a good example of that, and it did work very well. Mm-hmm. It does make for a, a, a good song sometimes, but it has to be a very powerful ballad for it to work. Right. Um, there is a lot of, as I say, cheesy, almost like 80s power ballads going on uh, in there. And it's almost like, well, hang on a moment. Haven't you kind of evolved <laughs> from that now? <laughs> so now is your second choice for the first semi final. Let's play a bit of it in and then we'll talk about that afterwards. I'm 
was Malta, and uh, that one's sung by Ira Losco, who she's, I mean, she's been on Univision. I did it again, Univision. For, for those of you who don't know, Univision is a Spanish-speaking channel over here in the United States, and it's just, obviously, living in the States, I hear a lot about it, so I, <laughs> I keep mixing that up. I do apologize completely, but uh, she was actually part of Eurovision back in 2002, Actually, she came really close to winning. She was within 12 points of being the top scorer there. Wow. Yeah, so th this isn't her first time, but I mean, she also has her own music career. She's opened for groups like uh, Elton John, Maroon 5, uh, Enrique Iglesias. So she's clearly got her own musical career going in Malta, but there's just something about that song. I just, I just liked it. You know, I, I can't really explain it. I just liked the way the music went. I liked the way the, the, the chorus went. And like I said, it was it was a really tough call. But I finally just decided I'm going to go for that one. Uh, I think they may be a contender. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope so. I think they will still easily get to the final. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, it's really strange to hear the funky drummer in the background on tracks in Eurovision. And it's there. I mean, it's, for me, that's a throwback to the 90s. Uh, a lot of things had the funky drummer in the, in the early 90s. And uh, it's, it's really great to hear Malta with uh, an up-tempo record because they are renowned for doing power ballads right uh, yeah i know there 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 are a number of ballads in this list but not as many as i normally would have expected and and if you notice in the past you've had a lot of what i call folk yeah. music mm -hmm. which doesn't translate very well sometimes and there's been not a lot of that this year no, there were, there were two of them specifically. I think Greece was one, and uh, I actually I actually went through and listened to every song, and I marked just for my own reference what kind each one was. There was one other one. Oh, here it is: uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Those really were the only two that had any kind of you know regional that that kind of sound added to the song. Well, that was actually there's one song, uh, Montenegro. Man, that borders on heavy metal. That was really hard rock. I enjoyed that. Uh, one. Montenegro are very edgy with the stuff they did i mean was it last year year before year before it was dubstep oh god and i was like <laughs> dubstep on eurovision <laughs> you know <laughs> it was... well you know it's kind of like this way because like these guys were really hard rock bordering on on close to metal i was like wow on eurovision that that's pretty cool but i didn't see that one possibly coming close to being a winner well that happened a few years ago for finland with um Lordy with Hard Rock Hallelujah, which was awesome. It was almost like looking at um, someone like Slipknot. They were in, you know, the full kind of mm -hmm. um, costumes and things, and it was kind of scary to look at, to be honest. But it was <laughs> it was like a breath of fresh air, though. Uh, yeah. It was sort of like nothing you've ever seen on Eurovision. Oh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the song. It, I mean, it did stand out, but it wasn't one of those that I thought could be like, yeah, that's not really Eurovision material. I'm glad they did it, but... Eh. Now, my next one for the first semi-final, which has already been mentioned once, actually. <laughs> but uh, here we go. I'm going nowhere and I'm going fast. I should find a place to go and rest. I should find a place to lay my head tonight.
So, yeah, we mentioned them earlier. That's the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure how I'm pronoun- pronouncing this right. Is it Dowie Bob or Doe Bob with a track called Slow Down? He's 23-year-old uh, and he was born and raised in Amsterdam. And in 2012, he was voted the best singer-songwriter in the Netherlands mm. uh, and has become an established in the Dutch music scene with uh, number one albums. And uh, he's obviously released this off of that album, one of those albums as well. His music is characterized by a combination of songs rooted firmly in the 1960s and 70s, but that's quite obvious that there's a lot of influence there, uh, but at the same time has an extremely contemporary sound. It, it kind of has just a little touch of American Southern rock, mm-hmm. sort of like what the Eagles would do. Yeah, yeah, I can get and that. And it just, I was like, that's that is a really good song. That's um, what I call a... It is a kind of a driving track, isn't it, really? It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. It's got yeah. that kind of feel to it. Like I said, with other tracks, a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's mm-hmm. not the kind of thing you normally get at Eurovision. And I'm, I've gone out there with it because I like to be a little bit different on Eurovision. Usually when I put myself out on a limb like that, it doesn't do very well. But um, I'm hoping it does because it's a, a really nice song well, I was listening to it this afternoon and the sun was out and it was you know really nice with the, the sun out it was one of those kind of feel good songs really those are our choices for the the first semi final which is on the 10th of May hi Mark it's Laura LaRue from San Francisco keep rocking it cause I'm a big fan of the show mwah so we've got some for the second semi-final. There were a lot of good songs in this second one, too. Yeah. I, I really liked the one from Belarus, because that sounded like it was straight out of the 1980s, mm-hmm. which, of course, is my decade. <laughs> um, the, the one from Serbia, I thought was a great song, although I didn't really care for the singer. She was just way too animated. If you watch the video for that, it's like, whoa, uh, somebody put extra lubrication in her muscle joints and so forth because she's just going all over the place. Sometimes but, you watch the videos and you think, wow, what's it going to be like live on stage? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it was a great song, but I was like, I just can't really watch her. I'm sorry. I also like the one from Ireland. That was a nice one. A nice pop rock mix. The first one that really came out for me, and I unfortunately, I don't see her being a winner on this one, and we can discuss why, but well, I mean, go ahead and play. Play it. Blue and red, like I'm watching you and me. Every little thing you've said led me to fall in love with you. Then you tried to fix me, and I wasn't strong. But you were not a composer, I'm not your song, strange chords.
that's the entry from Slovenia, and uh, that's sung by a woman named Manuela. I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it that way. I heard that song, and I was just completely blown away. And I was just like, wow, that song totally screams Carrie Underwood and early Taylor Swift before she made like a total pop transition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, is, that song just completely blew me away because I'm not really one for... Well, I mean, that song is definitely, no question, that is American country pop. No question at all. And I didn't um, know that kind of music was popular in countries like Slovenia. <laughs> I didn't know that either, but maybe she's also just trying to differentiate. Well, Taylor Swift, you know, she's got fans all over. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit worried, because that is very clearly an American music style. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how well that's going to translate over in Europe. And also for the reasons that you said that, you know, Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood, how popular are they really in Europe? So I, I am a little bit concerned that there's going to be some backlash against it because it, it's purely an American genre. And that's got nothing to do with Eurovision. But the song itself was just amazing. I, I heard that. I was like, wow, this song is just stupid levels of good. The production on it is is really good. Oh, it's so well done. Yeah. And and that's one that I'm really hoping that she does well. I mean, according to this, she's been playing accordion since she was six. She had her own band when she was 13. You know, so she's clearly been doing music for for pretty much all of her life so i'm just i'm really hoping she does well i'm a little bit worried that this is just going to be so not eurovision that people are going to look away from how good the song is and be turned away by just how different it is from what eurovision would normally have regardless that song just blew me away and i play that for my wife because she loves carrie underwood and those kinds of songs too and she's like wow that song's really good and the, and the thing is maybe it could get some votes because of that reason because it's not like the usual kind of thing i hope i mean that that song absolutely deserves to go to the finals that is a song where i really believe that if she released that over here and gave it some decent airplay that would easily be really high on the country charts i i think what what could be good in america with that is if they actually play gave some airplay but didn't actually mention anything about where she's from and the the surprise to people would be quite amazing i think yeah it could be could be. and and you know let's granted this is being very superficial but she's also smoking hot which would also work if they released a video yeah so it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> you know, it's just sorry, just telling the truth here. She if she came over here and started to do country music like that, she could be really, really popular over here. If that song is any indication, because I'm not even one for that kind of music. And I love that song. It really should do well. And um, I think even if it doesn't do well in the competition, I don't think it's going to hurt her exposure across Europe, across even if, if people are watching in America, people might want to buy her music. Now, my first one from the second semi-final is this track here. For a thousand years, through a million tears, with a hungry heart, every day I'll I've been waiting for this night. I've been waiting for this night. When I see your smile and your beautiful eyes, I get lost in time. Now I know that I've been waiting for this night. I've been waiting for this night. 
Now that was the Lithuanian track by a guy called Donny Montel. This has Eurovision written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I heard it, an up-tempo, uh, got a lot, of, a lot of energy, high bass from big drums coming in there. And yeah, it's going to get people moving in that arena. Once it starts doing things like that, people remember it, people will vote. But yeah, it is very Eurovision. Now, Donny Montel is um, a singer-songwriter from uh, Vilnius. Uh, he represented Lithuania in the 2012 Eurovision Song Contest in Azerbaijan. And since he appeared on that, he has won many prizes in competitions and things. Um, and he decided that he would like to return to the contest one more time time that was another one i did like that one too even though you're right it is it is eurovision for sure but there was still something about it it's just it's just it's a good song it just it's it's solid for what it is i guess is the best way to say it mm-hmm. it's pop and but it, uh, it, it still had a way of differentiating itself from the rest i think it's that big bass line from not from a drum machine you can tell there's actual real yeah. sort of um what do you call those like dragon drums aren't they the the big uh, japanese style uh drums uh, oh uh yeah i know what you're kind you're talking about yeah the huge things um psycho drums yes um and it's got that kind of feel to it and i think in an arena that bass is just going to bounce around the place <laughs> so um yeah that's going to get people moving i think um because really eurovision is just a massive party at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that the girl who sings this is 19 year old laura tesoro i hope i'm pronouncing that properly and she's from belgium hit it question that song is my absolute favorite by far of, of all of the 43 songs again it, it's very not eurovision i'm seeing nile rogers oh. I'm str- <laughs> i just that is just that song nailed 70s funk perfectly as far as i'm concerned from the heavy bass and you know they've got those like wah kind of guitars in the background mm-hmm. later on it's just i i first heard this song I was so blown away, I put it on repeat for probably an hour and a half. (laughs) 
And I went out and I bought the entire set just because of this song. Wow. I bought the, it just completely blew me away. Again, it's not Eurovision. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it stands out. And it's just, it's got a just ridiculous amounts of power behind it, energy, and it's just, it's just such a freaking good funk song. Not surprisingly, some of her best, or some of her favorite artists are artists like Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson. You know, that's kind of obvious just in the, the style of music. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, she's she's been singing for a while. She's been in, in song contests before. Uh, but apparently, from what, I've, from what I've read, the live version that she did of this to qualify is even better, which blows my mind because I think that song is, is just fantastic as it is. I can't find it anywhere. So... I don't know. I, mean, I I don't know that she'll win because again, this this is straight out of 1970s disco era and so forth. But the song is just so flipping good. Uh, once again, a feel good tune and a lot just now. I mean, whilst I was just playing it, I know it was only 50 odd seconds of it what we played just there. I couldn't stop moving. No, you can't. <laughs> just just from that bass line right at the front. Which okay. Some people have said that it sounds a lot like Queen's Under Pressure, which is also, I love that song too. Um, to me, it sounds more like just, um, and I forgot the name again, um, Good Times by Chic. Chic, yeah. That's, that's, and, there's your Nile Rogers connection right, yeah, right there. there. And it's, it just <laughs> reminded me so much of that when I first heard it, but I, I just, I loved it. Absolutely loved that song. Where Whether it will win or not, that's a different story. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, hello, Eurovision, but... Who knows? I, I hope for the best for my next track. Um, I've gone off the board a little bit with it because I've chosen something that's a little bit different. Again, I, I as I said, I like things to sound a little bit different on Eurovision. And this one, it was very difficult for me to cut the track down to do it justice. And I don't think I have, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll play it to you and uh, see what you think. Uh, the, the Georgian entry. Uh, um, there you go. Okay. Uh, Nika Kosharov and the young Georgian Lolitas <laughs> uh, with a track called Midnight Gold. Mm -hmm. Now, this band was internally chosen to represent Georgia in Stockholm, so which means it was chosen by the television network. And then the song was actually selected by televoters. So the public actually chose the song. Huh which is a, a novel way of doing it. Normally, it's the other way around. <laughs> but um, I like it. It's very edgy. Yeah. There's an 80s feel to that. 
Yeah, very 80s. Yeah, that was another one that I marked down that I, I really liked a lot. I marked that as pretty much 80s rock, which to me automatically makes it a good thing. Once again, not your normal Eurovision entry at all. Uh, the video is really good as well. I love the video for this. They are a fantastic band. I, I would like to... Um, find some more of their tracks actually if it's like that then I'll, I'll love it there's a little bit of um latter day um duran duran in there not their early stuff this kind of 90s onwards duran duran for a little while with the backing i was hearing um my sharona i could <laughs> I <was laughs> getting that from it hello the three cuckoos podcast you are here you have downloaded us thank you very very much that's an enormous moth final cut of the podcast we'll leave it to the deaf member of yeah. the, the deaf member of the group yeah kissy fur was pretty good gummy kiss whoa hang on kissy fur turn your fleece into a trendy gilet hello pets and welcome to this week's how to thank you for the follow baratheon what thankings <laughs> Some cheese and a pickle. Cheese and fine wine. Oh, it's the Three Cuckoos podcast. That's it for this week's <laughs> Lucky News. <laughs> the worst podcast item ever. Tune in, iTunes, Stitcher, download us, subscribe us, yeah. stream us. Visit our blog, because I do that. Yeah, And get us at Three Cuckoos. That would be a show. We're now moving into what we've mentioned before, the big five. These are the, what you call the permanent artists or the permanent um, countries to take part. So we've, we've chosen one each from that section. This was not easy. Not just, at all. Not the at problem all. is, and I'll, I'll just say it, none of them are really all that great. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot of mediocre in this category. I, th- I think a lot of them in that category, they kind of play it safe a little bit because they know they haven't got to really compete to get to the final. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, really, but I, th- I think maybe between you and I, we may have picked a couple of the better <laughs> ones from the from that section. So yeah, you've, you've, yeah, you've got yeah. the, the there's six countries in total. I know I said there's a big five, so we've got the five countries that are permanently there and obviously the host nation, which is Sweden. So let's have a look at your artist. That was Spain, wasn't it, John? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's sung by a woman named Barai. Uh, apparently, she's been singing for 15 years. She writes all of her own music. She wrote that one too. It, it just seems like it was. It had a lot of energy to it, a lot of power. It, it, it's a positive 
kind of thing. Because basically the whole thing is about if you're trying to improve yourself, it's just pushing yourself to do that. You know, make things better for yourself. So it's just it's an overall positive song. And it just out of all of those, that's probably the one that stuck with me the best. And uh, if anybody's seen the video for this, it's got a very distinctive dance that goes with it. Um, and I think that would be... The tempo and the, the the energy from it, I think it'll do well in the arena. Uh, whether it'll translate well to the people at home uh, is another thing. But yeah, I, I can see people in the arena already doing the dance that, that's in the video. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good track, quite Eurovisiony. Once again, it's high energy, and, and that's what it's all about. As I said, it's a party, and yeah, people just having a good time. Now, this is an unusual track. It's it's by Amir. Uh, it's for, for France, and it's called J'ai Cherché. J'ai un sens à mon existence. J'y ai laissé mon innocence. J'ai fini le cœur sans défense. J'ai cherché l'amour et la reconnaissance. J'ai payé le prix du silence. Je me blesse et je recommence. Tu m'as... It's an unusual track for France because France normally do nothing but French. But this time they've chosen to be multilingual and do French and English, which is very unusual for them. As I say, it's sung by a guy called Amir, uh, who was internally chosen by France 2, which is one of their TV networks out there, to participate in the event. The singer has a multicultural background. Uh, he's got a Tunisian father and a Moroccan stroke Spanish mother. Uh, he was born in France and lived in Israel. And his warm and generous Mediterranean voice carries the emotions from those different cultures. You can kind of feel that there once again it's a uh, very high energy record i think it's very one direction ish (laughs) (laughs) i think it will do well with some of the younger audience um and these are the people generally that will have the eurovision app on their phone although i've got it on mine (laughs) because you can vote through the app you see uh, it's actually quite good because it's got all the videos on there or links to all the videos. It's got the lyrics and everything else on there so that you can um, see what the translations are like uh, when it's actually playing on the show. Uh, you will be able to press a button and it will hear what is being said on the screen and translate it for you so you can actually read the translation whilst oh, you're wow. watching the show. That's nice. It's a cute song. I think it's quite cute. Yeah. Um, but I do think out of the six that was left there, I think they're probably the two of the best out yeah, of them. Yeah, I, I think so. Now, I couldn't do this show without actually mentioning the, the UK entry. This is um, Joe and Jake with a track called You Are Not Alone. Heartbeat When you're not around, it's beating slow And 
it's something that I've never known. Oh, oh. It's not a bad song. No. It's not a great song. No, it's a, it's a lot like France's. It's solid. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that you could listen to on the radio. It yeah. just doesn't really differentiate itself from any of the others. It is being played a lot on UK radio. <laughs> I think it's just to try and brainwash people to watch Eurovision, actually. <laughs> but um, that was, yeah, Joe Walford from uh, Ruthin in Wales and Jake Shakeshaft, what a name, from Stoke-on-Trent in Staffordshire. And they both met as fellow competitors on The Voice UK, where they quickly bonded over their love of music and followed a shared love of peri-peri chicken and football. It doesn't actually say a great deal about them on, on the... <laughs> On the right up, to be honest. Perry Perry chicken. Uh, what is that? It's um, Portuguese spicy chicken. Ooh, I'm gonna have to look at a recipe for that. <laughs> we have a, a chain of restaurants here called Nando's, which they specialise in this Portuguese spicy chicken of varying different degrees of heat. Ooh, <laughs> heat is good. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a good song. It's definitely a radio-worthy song. It just doesn't stand out. No, um, better than last year's entry, if you remember, uh, we had that kind of um, 1920s, 1930s... Uh, oh, see, I liked that song. But it was, I thought that was really cool. It, yeah, they called it... What did they call it? Electro, Electro Swing. That's what it's called. Something like that. Yeah, Electro Swing. I, I didn't think it worked for Eurovision. No, that's kind of my fear for Slovenia and Belgium. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll see. But, the, the only song in here that was really like, really, what is this, was Austria's, because it's a French song. Now, you'd expect that from Switzerland, wouldn't you? Yeah, but it's like, this is the song for Austria, and they're singing French? What? But then France is singing a song that has English in it. <laughs> what is going on here? I, I, I think the French might be reaching out to us. <laughs> this is that their way of saying to us, stay in Europe, stay in Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting competition this year. I'm quite looking forward to it. I don't think there's going to be such more of the fun aspect of it this year because there are a lot of serious acts um, this year there are some really outstanding ones as we've, we've mentioned a few of them there there are some other ones that are a little bit different it's also interesting because you you get to see some of the the culture of other countries as well through it because of the type of music but as i said not so much this year a couple of years ago do you remember the 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 russian grannies <laughs> yeah <laughs> what didn't they come in like second or, fir- or were they first no remember. no no they, they they got quite high I think yeah. it was in the top four, I think. Yeah, but I mean, how much of that was actually just novelty? Probably, yeah. I'm probably going to get a little bit of flack for this. 
but I think that's also part of the reason why Conchita Verst won. I don't think so much. There was the novelty factor there, but it was because Conchita is is transgender that opened people's eyes to the the cause, if you like the the. I don't know, and I understand. That's why I'm saying I'm probably going to get flack for. It. I don't mean it from novelty, as in oh, cute, fun, silly kind of novelty. Just the fact that. Oh, that's never been done before. Mm, very much that, so. That kind of novelty, you know, and and I think that was a big reason uh, why Conchita won. And she's been a, a very um, big ambassador for Eurovision as well. I mean, doing a lot of touring, been doing a lot of commentating actually for behind the scenes work for uh, Eurovision over the, the the last year. So it's, it's all good, you know. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's. You know, we, we are all one. We're one family, one big family. This whole thing is really, you guys are far more prog- progressive than we are. So this really is only kind of coming to the forefront here recently. We're trying to get used to this over here in America. Mm-hmm. No, you know, there was no no offense or anything there. No, it's understandable. It, it is, um, as I say, it's something that we've been taking on for, for a while now. And uh, it's good to see like, countries like um, Ireland have now, you know, agreed with same-sex marriages and things. Because, you know, being a very big Catholic country, it must have been quite difficult. It's great that because of Eurovision, doors are opening for people. That's what it's all about. Well, I'm just curious to see how well it's going to do here now that it's actually going to be on a cable channel. I don't know that Logo is the right channel to do that, but, you know, it's a start. Acorns, isn't it? Little acorns yeah. to produce oak trees. Anything can happen in Eurovision, and that's what I like about it. Spanhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's been our take on Eurovision 2016. Now, we'll come back after the events sometime after the, the 14th of May, and we shall see how we did. Hopefully, we've done okay. I think we picked some really good songs. So I think we should end it there. Um, I'm hoping to get some bits and pieces done for the TGP tap room because uh, we've got a, a new microbrewery opening at the end of the month and I'm hoping to talk with them uh, about the process of what they've been through to get this brewery open. So thanks for listening, one and all. Thanks again, John, for joining me tonight. Not a problem, my friend. Anytime. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Be sure to visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com. Because your input is is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find a link on our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button 
on any of the podcast pages and don't forget to spread the word about us. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.